and welcome to the art of whatever a music and arts history podcast where there's a lot of talking obviously <laughs> and uh with me today are tony and carlos hello hello and uh we are ti- we are tired but yeah. <laughs> but, but what else uh, is new with uh <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> i was trying to think of who would go first Okay. Um, well, oh, by the way, this is actually our twentieth episode. This is our twentieth episode. Yeah, this is our official twentieth episode. Awesome. Let's let's give ourselves a round of applause and yeah, yeah, on the back. right. <laughs> Thank you for bearing with us. Uh, we're still learning. Uh, yeah, we're yeah. We are not researchers. We are not. Uh, we are not historians. We are not reporters. Uh, <laughs> Not even close. We are just fans. Fans of fans of things. Fans of nerdy shit. <laughs> yeah. So I I think because um, okay, so uh, you I can go first if you like, since you know last time you you did you you were on since I wasn't on the last one. I uh, the last one technically was. Me and oh. well, uh, Carlos and I, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Carlos went first. Carlos, yeah. Fuck, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was Carlos first, and then me. So I think by that logic, I think I could go first. You can go first. Okay, go for it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um. So like always, I had a, a lot of problems thinking of a topic, uh, and um, and like usual, I didn't go with any of the ones on my list. Uh, <laughs> of course. So, um, but I had I did have one topic before this one, and um, I'll be honest, and I kind of started late on it, um, and then I realized, oh, you know what, I I think I need more time to like really 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 get into it because there's like um there's such a fascinating like person and like they have so much uh uh there's not a lot of there's not a lot of um information but um there's a lot of stuff about them in the sense that like in their like family wise and stuff like that so i kind of decided not to do that one um and i actually kind of I, I feel like I kind of changed the rule in this one because it's just uh, a story that I found very fascinating when I first heard about it. Um, and um, uh, this person was kind of was was kind of an artist, but that's not what they're known for. Mm-hmm. Um, how much do you know about Mexican history? Scattered. Yeah. I, OK, I, I feel like I should know more. Yeah, exactly. Well, did y'all know that um, Mexico had an emperor? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> well, I was hoping that <laughs> that would be enough. But... Okay, we can cut that. Uh, well, 
No, I didn't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. But basically, um, so that that's that's kind of what I'll be talking about because like it's such a it's such an interesting and kind of funny story and kind of sad. Okay. <laughs> um, but um, basically, it's just like it was just this person that was kind of aloof. Um, I mean, he was very serious, but um, he just kind of got into like really weird hijinks. Okay. By uh, by accident. Kind. Of... <laughs> Rich people. Um. Well, how how much do you know about him? Not really much, to be honest. I just know the simple fact that we had an emperor. Well, that we ah that, that Mexico had an emperor. I mean, he was French. He was. Well, I. Should I say more? I don't. I mean, that's not like I know a lot, well, but. Well, that, well, actually, I—I I mean, I hate to say it like this, but that—well, he was actually Austrian. Well, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, sorry, that was, was a woman <laughs> French. Was the the lady French? The yeah, his she was wife? Belgium. No, she's Belgian. Yeah, Napoleon sent them though. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There we go. See, see what I mean? <laughs> well, you actually, you, you, actually, you actually know a. You actually know a lot more than I did whenever I first heard about him. But, um, well, the reason why I even knew, like, I even knew uh, or really heard about him was because um, in college we did this um, musical called Into the Woods. And basically it's um, set in um, fairy tale, mm-hmm. kind of. It's a kind of fairy tale story. But our production was set in, um, it was set in Mexico. And, what? Um, <laughs> I mean, all all I know about that is because uh, I saw the movie, but I mean, I don't know the the, the play, but I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not really gonna talk about it, but basically, like, um, our production kind of set it in Mexico, so everyone had you know like uh, <laughs> Mexican cool. costumes and um, cool. yeah. Well, I just so happened to play one of the princes. Because there's yeah, because there's two princes in there, and I happen to be one of them, and so um, you know they had us in like you know like this like red, white, and green kind of attire. Well, I didn't know that they actually based it off of the real emperor, and at that point I was like, I didn't know that that was even a thing, you know. And then I found out that he was actually Austrian, and uh, but anyway. Well, let me start off by, you know, giving the, you know, the usual, uh, what am I talking about? Uh, bibliography, not bibliography. Uh, what the hell am I talking about? Uh, sources. So, um, obviously, I got a lot of Wikipedia, um, but also got some from Britannica.com. Some information from this uh, website called ncpedia.org. And this YouTube channel, um, uh, the channel is called uh, M. Lasser, I believe, L A S E R History. Um, and so, I'm gonna try to make it as quick as possible because you know <laughs> that's what we're trying to do now. <laughs> but um, so, I will go back a little bit before before he even arrived there. So I'll give a little quick kind of history behind you know what happened before um so basically there was two factions in the um in the country this was after you know after independence you had the conservatives 
and then you had the liberal parties. Um, the conservatives really were more into the idea of like a, a monarchy, whereas the liberals um, wanted to do what, you know, obviously the U.S. did. In 1954, there was a um, there was a leader. His name was um, he was known as Santa Rosa, but his full name was Antonio de Padua Maria uh, Severino Lopez de Santa Ana y Perez de Lobredon. Lebron, sorry. <laughs> and um, he was kind of like a dictator um, uh, and kind of basically, you know, the country didn't really like him. So in um, so that was the year that he was um, taken out, you know, of office. Um, and the Liberal Party basically came up with the Fourth Republic or the Liberal Constitution. Um, but obviously the conservatives didn't like that. So they themselves um, organized a coup and um, basically, you know, took over and the liberals had to go to Veracruz basically to just like gather up again. But, you know, they thought that they were in charge, but then the conservatives thought that they were in charge. So so then this led to the uh, the reform war which basically made, you know, it's basically like, you know, the Mexican people had to choose between, obviously, these two parties. Um, in the process, the United States was kind of going through, it was before the Civil War, I believe, and um, and at the time, Benito Juarez was the, um, was the leader of the Liberal Party. So eventually, you know, um, Juarez fell... Uh, behind on the debt with the Brits, the French, and the Spanish. So they decided to invade. But Napoleon III was the one that was in charge of the French, you know. They basically, or he basically had other ideas for Mexico. They basically wanted to take it over and start a new monarchy there. Um, but the British and the Spanish didn't really like that. So they actually retreated. And eventually they got to Veracruz and then they moved into Puebla, and then that's when we know May the 5th is when they, you know, lost their battle to Puebla, or in Puebla. Um, but I, I didn't know this, though. Um, after that, there was a, another battle that the French actually won. But for some reason, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know about that one, but that's what happened. So Benito had to retreat. Benito... Juarez had to retreat to Chihuahua where he was, you know, for a while. And obviously the conservatives sided with the French and they decided to come up with a second empire. And that's where the emperor comes in. Uh, his name was Ferdinand Maximilian Joseph, um, but then he changed his name once he became uh, the emperor to Fernando Maximiliano Jose Maria de Habsburgo Lorena. So let me tell you a little bit about him. Um, he was born in on uh, July the 6th, 1832, in the Schornbrunn Palace in Vienna to the Archduke uh, Franz Karl and Princess Sophie of Bavaria. And, and, and um, throughout his childhood, there was rumors that he was actually not the son of this um, Archduke, that he was actually the son of Napoleon II, but it was never really proven or anything. Um yeah, so Mario's around then. What? <laughs> I said I don't think Mario was around then. Oh it, no! <laughs> that joke. I'm sorry. 
Uh, uh, well. <laughs> so growing up, he was in the shadow of his older brother. Um, his name was uh, Franz Joseph, and he was basically the one that was, you know, in line for the throne, since that's really how it worked. The oldest son is supposed to be the one that basically got, you know, the throne, whereas the other siblings kind of had to, you know, figure other things out, how to, you know, fend for themselves, I guess. I don't know. Um, so because he was in the shadow of his brother, he kind of um, wanted to excel in other things. Um, so by the time that he was 17, he was like taking 55 different classes, including like stuff with the arts and like botany, um, history, geography, law and technology and military studies and also fencing and diplomacy. And this was all like by the time that he was 17 and he could also speak eight languages and they, you know, it said that he was very charming and everything, but he was also very, um, undisciplined to the point where like he would, uh, just like play you know pranks on people and a lot of them had to you know a lot of his victims were like his uh, family so in 1848 the um the revolutions all over europe started and in 1849 um they started getting bad in austria but he actually hated that because he was like very uh he was a little bit more passive so he didn't like the he didn't really like the idea of all this war going on um he didn't like the violence and how like all the all these people were being killed for no reason which is actually foreshadowing so about this he said uh quote we call our age the age of enlightenment um but there are cities in europe where in the future men will look back in horror and amazement at the injustice of tribunals. And he was like very big on the age of enlightenment because he kind of did grow up with that. So that was like a big influence on like his, um, just like his ideas and everything. During this time too, he also joined the Austrian Navy, which wasn't very big at the time because, you know, since like Austria is kind of like inland. So like they don't really have a lot of power, especially like in the ocean or like the Navy and stuff. And uh, by the age of 18, he actually became a lieutenant. And then he became the commander-in-chief from 1854 to 1861. Because of this, like, he was so successful um, in his in his post that, like, he basically uh, carried out reforms and um, for the naval forces. And he did a lot of changes. Um, and he was very instrumental, like, in the creating of, like, naval ports and stuff. Especially, like, in, like, South, South Europe and stuff like that. Um, am I making sense? <laughs> I feel like I'm just... You are? Yeah. It's just that, you know, like, I, I don't have any... <laughs> I don't have any, like, funny comments to make, you <laughs> yeah. know? Like, ah, you nerd or something. <laughs> and I don't mean you. I mean him, like, for studying all that stuff. <laughs> and art and, well, you know... I don't know. He, he he was just kind of like he 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 really had the shit end of the, of the steak really in a lot of ways because like like later on like it just kind of gets worse um for him. Um I was I was trying to think of the word um that that he's kind of described as, but I don't want to say that he was very innocent because that's not the right word. He just really wanted good things for people, if that makes sense. It's just 
it was just very um i don't know it was just like a very simple mindset but like i said like i think like uh the things that like influenced them were like you know like stuff like the age of enlightenment and yeah um um, and I'm trying to remember exactly like what that entailed, but I know that like it had to do a lot with like humanism, I believe. So like during this time when he's like the, when he becomes the commander in chief, um, he gets married um, to his second cousin, uh, Charlotte of uh, Belgium. And also during this time, you know, like uh, the whole all that stuff that in Mexico that's going on. Um, so Napoleon the Third um, kind of sees him and and is like, oh, you know, like this is basically this is like a good a good puppet for yeah. what they're trying to do. Basically, I think this is, this is interesting because like whenever they offered him um, to be you know to be emperor, he actually refused the first time. But I think I think it took two years for people for for them to come back around to him and and we're like you know um basically offering the same thing again but by that time um he had reconsidered but the only the only way that he would do it is if um the mexican people voted for him and they were like okay let's do that but what they really did is just that they just rigged the election for him to win so that doesn't happen anymore of course not. No, yeah, no, right. Of course not. Never. <laughs> can you can you believe if that actually happened? Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I cannot. No. We're so far. It's so unbelievable. <laughs> that was two hundred years ago, man. It doesn't happen anymore. No, no, of course Ever. not. Especially not especially not, yeah. Especially, <laughs> especially not in America. So, like I said, he was, you know, quote unquote elected by the people and um on June tenth he was crowned. Uh, on June tenth of eighteen sixty four. Uh, so later on, he arrives in Veracruz, and there's actually no one there to meet him um, because the conservatives didn't realize that he was going to arrive that day. So they just kind of, kind of forgot about him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, eventually they, you know, they actually went to go get him. <laughs> Uh, oh, I man. actually, I actually don't know how long it took them to actually, you know, go and actually get him or whatever. But <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like weeks or whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> so Chapultepec has a castle there, but I don't know if it's the only castle like in Latin America. Am I wrong? I don't know. I don't. I, don't know. I mean, I would say no, but. I wouldn't really know. I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you, but I mean, my instinctual answer would be no. Didn't Nick Cage buy a castle or some shit like that? Anyway, <laughs> not the point. Continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, so uh, so the castle of Chapultepec is set in a in the middle of a park, actually. And, um, and I remember one of my professors um, in school, um, she told me about it. Which is funny because I didn't even know that it actually was in the park, but like she was talking about how like you know like she'd actually visit visited there once, and um, and it was the first time I think that she had been there, and so like she's walking around the park and and actually I think the park is actually bigger than Central Park in New York. Wow. Um, and so like, you know, like you're walking around and then all of a sudden you just see a castle in the middle of the park. 
Um, but basically, that's the place that he went to to you know to reside with his um, with his wife. Like, sorry, um, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm doing it. But uh, <laughs> like right now, when you said that it was bigger than Central Park, you know, there's like a, there's another place in Chihuahua. I just don't have the name right now. Well, like there's a canyon in Chihuahua that's bigger than the Grand Canyon. But oh, really? But it just doesn't have the the publicity, you know. It's not like yeah. a, I mean, it doesn't get treated like that, like even like even by the same government or the people, you know. Mm -hmm. no, but yeah, uh, there's a like a bigger canyon. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Neither did I. But okay, I mean, it just but... <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, well, so once he gets to, once he gets to the castle, he finds out that obviously, like, the voting was rigged, um, that he essentially has no power because of the French there, and also the country's broke at this point. So he's just kind of like, what the hell? But eventually he, um, he starts a reform, he starts to reform the nation. Um, but to the French and the conservative surprise, um, he actually has very liberal views. Um, and at some point, like, they just kind of, like, start tolerating him for a while. So, like, things that he does is uh, he actually abolishes um, haciendas, which I'm guessing is more like the, you know, like the farming kind of things. Yeah. You know, I just realized I don't, I, I guess I really don't know about haciendas, but. I, I, that's what I assumed that's what they were, but... Um... No, yeah, they were, like, you know, not the same, but... Well, they were more like ranches. They were... Mm -hmm. Like, I want I, I, I to compare them to plantations, but... But, um... It was kind of like a sharecropper's farm, right? Basically, somebody owns it, and then the workers come in, and then they kind of take some of the crops for themselves, or stuff like that, but it was owned by... Like, yeah, owners. yeah, they would basically rent you the the plot of land and, uh, you know, you would work it for them. Yeah. He also banned uh, child labor mm -hmm. there. Um, he canceled uh, the peasants' debts. Wow. Um, and also banned, like, the sale of peasants because that's basically what was going on at that point. Um and they were essentially slaves. Like, they weren't really peasants. Like, they were peasants, but, like, they were being treated as slaves at that point. Okay. Um, and obviously, a lot of them were, like, uh, were more of the, like, the indigenous people. Of course. Um, and, and he also, like, uh, I think he tried to do, um, you know, uh, really change the whole uh, church and state kind of thing. Because he, like, antagonized, like, the Catholic church, his hierarchy. Yeah, so like he kind of he kind of viewed himself as like this like you know protector of like the Indian peasants, oh. um, which is I, I don't know which is which is good, but at the same time I don't know I I feel this uh, white savior kind of thing. Okay, but anyway, yeah. So he 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 really did try to change a lot of things, um, but he actually wanted to change it a lot for the um, like I said like the uh, like in the indigenous people. To the point where even they kind of started to be like, you know, you know what? I think we're good. I think we actually like this guy. 
because they would say basically you know like they'd much rather have this like foreign emperor than to have you know like these um these other people that were basically you know there were a lot of them were mestizos and a lot of the like the creole um were basically like the ones in in power because i believe at the time they you know you know these they, they still had they obviously had the caste system so anyone that was that was basically indigenous were just like peasants and so they were taken advantage of and everything mm-hmm. and so i think he really kind of did try to change that so by april of 1865 this is when they they they, they really um started pushing um benito juarez all the way to the up up north to chihuahua um but at some point, you know, like the conservatives started to get mad at him. Um, um, but he did try, he did make other like reforms. Like um, I didn't know, but like uh, Paseo de la Reforma, which is um, which is like a very big, you know, like uh, street in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the one that basically like put funding into it, so that way. If oh, you- wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that. Um, and for people that you know, you know that know obviously of Mexico, like this is like, I I hear about this street a lot. Um, I don't know much about it, but I know that it's a very known area. Anyway, um, is that a see again? This is where I show my lack of knowledge. Is that where the Angel is? Yes, I think so. Like, if you, you see, like, uh, any movie set in Mexico City, it's, like, that famous uh, roundabout mm-hmm. kind of deal. Yeah. yeah. All right. And, and, and to be honest, I wasn't really sure, but I'm glad that you brought it up. Cause... Oh, yeah, it is. So, uh, God, I feel like I'm all over the place. So, uh, at, at this point, too, like, uh, some liberals – take start to take um administrative like office positions in this like basically conservative party because they they feel like because i think that they think that at some point he's really gonna start changing stuff to be extreme like to be very much like the liberal party they're starting to get to the point where everyone's kind of tired of fighting so they're starting to just like you know like I guess this is this is for the best. This guy's just you know he's gonna change stuff. So hopefully he does. He's just like so. He he really tries to to be really much part like part of the people, to the point where he kind of starts walking around the city without any guards, and uh, he actually wears a charro suit sometimes. Oh shit. And like he's just talking to people and asking them how their day is going and stuff like that. Um, and at one point, he even tries to to get um, Benito Juarez um, a pardon um, because he's basically been exiled. Uh, but he tries to, you know, like tries to pardon him and actually make him a prime minister. But um, he really Benito Juarez doesn't want it. So, so by eighteen sixty six. Oh, I may be wrong. I'm sorry, but uh, the U.S. <laughs> this is the U.S. Civil War ended, um, and so it started to begin to intervene. Which, which I'm just like, take a break. Like you already had a civil war. Like why are you gonna get involved with Mexico? 
and, and so they don't really they don't really know how they really want to get involved because they they're trying to help the liberals. So Andrew Jackson essentially sends troops to the uh, to the border, and um, and so like the troops there kind of lose their ammunition, like you know quote unquote lose their ammunition, uh-huh. um, and they just leave it there for any liberals to take, I guess. Um, and at this point, uh, Maximilian, or let me call him Max because that's too long. <laughs> um, so Max basically, um, so he comes up with this uh, black decree, which basically imprisons and executes anyone that, that tries to begin like an army to take to start taking over, obviously. Um, and at this point, like everyone's just kind of like, you know, like we need to get rid of this guy because like he's been doing good things. But then at the same time, you know, like he, he is he does kind of start getting a, like a, a power high. Well, and then when he does puts this black decree in place, he basically it's basically like, you know, shoot anyone that has a gun to the point where innocent people start dying, which I think is ironic because he had those same sentences he was against those sentiments when he was in Austria, you know, but uh, it's, it's just irony. So around 1867, um, the U S begins to pressure France, um, to leave. And, um, Napoleon doesn't really want to be involved in any of that. So he takes his troops and gets out of Mexico. His wife, um, or Max's wife, um, Charlotte, well, at this point, she calls she she names herself Carlota because she's in Mexico. So basically, what she does she goes to she goes back to Europe and tries to seek um, aid uh, from Napoleon, which had just left already. Already, uh, but he also tries to get uh, she also tries to get like help from the Pope, um, only to be uh, to basically be refused. And um, she has an emotional breakdown and she never goes back to Mexico. So, yeah, so he's basically there by himself. The liberals are starting to start, you know, battles all around the country and they start winning. So they try to offer Max basically to, you know, just to get, you know, get out of there, like just get out of the country. But he refuses to because he doesn't want to leave his people. It, it, it even gets to the point where he starts going into battle. And um, in, in that video, that uh, that YouTube video that, that, that I saw, um, he basically, it, it gets to the point where he's actually just kind of hoping that he gets shot um, <laughs> to die for his country. But that doesn't happen in battle. So by that point, he leaves Mexico City. He, he leaves in February... 5th, 1867, and he goes to Querétaro. So he goes there, they kind of like uh, barricade themselves, and uh, by March 5th, they're surrounded by Benito's troops, basically. And, and throughout that whole time that that they're kind of, they kind of barricade themselves, um, everyone's like starting to starve because they start running out of provisions, but he, the whole time he stays very positive and tries to cheer everyone up for whatever reason. And I think he's just starting to lose it at this point. <laughs> so eventually um, he surrenders um, after a long time. So the forces 
like I said, they st- they basically starve and they finally give up. And they give up on May 15th, 1867, which is actually my birthday. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. I, it's not about me. You're uh, 200 and some years old? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Freak. Pleasant. <laughs> You're still young. <laughs> so he's uh, court-martialed and sentenced to death. Uh, many royals like in Europe actually tried to petition to Benito Juarez and basically, you know, like they, t- they ask him to spare him. They, 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 you know, but he refuses. And at this point, he's president now. So, but he just kind of like refuses. It was that uh, Bugs, Bun- <laughs> Bugs Bunny meme? No. <laughs> basically, I mean, yeah, 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 because I mean, basically, his reasoning is is that like we've been struggling this far, and like we never wanted a foreign like leader. As a as another aside, so uh-huh. like right when you were mentioning that um, that uh, Napoleon was like, okay, I'm out. Uh, once the U.S. was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna have to get involved in this. So I think that's around the time when the Monroe Doctrine, like, yes, yeah. So you know, I remember because I remember reading about that when I was, I don't know if it was elementary or um, or uh, uh, middle school, but um, I remember reading about that, right? And and you read about it in, in the history books in school, and it's like, oh, you know. Oh, he stood up for the whole continent, blah blah blah, you know. <laughs> and then, and then later on, you realize it's because like, oh well, motherfucker just wanted to have everything for for the U.S., you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so yeah. yeah, and then on the other hand, like, how you know how would how would a uh, Mexico look like right now, you know? Because I mean, how. French would it look if anything you know that's what I was thinking yeah that's that's actually what I was thinking because um, I mean there's a lot of architecture over from from France and uh, from those times and uh, there's also like uh, a lot of the baking got influenced by by the French too mm-hmm. um, yeah well like pastry, well yeah, well, um, well, it's funny you say that because um, whenever El, El Paseo de la Reforma was was being considered and everything, he actually brought over Austrian architects, and that's that's who built it, basically. Oh. I mean, and- they came up with it. I'm sure. I'm sure peasants were the ones that built it, but and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I think. I for, I forgot which I think it's one of Quato, I think but I, again scattered uh might be like you know it's like a supposed to look really French as far as architecture uh, oh you know I've never thought about that actually but uh, and then like on another like on the same note but freaking 70 years later. Like I don't know if it's true, but I remember 
re reading or hearing that like during World War Two that the Nazis were trying to get in contact with the Mexican government to be like, hey, well, you know, like basically cutting a deal to like, okay, let us, let us, you know, like go through they, Mexico uh, to get to yeah. the U.S. Yeah, yeah, but they refused. That, yeah, but the, yeah, exactly, that they refused and that, that like the U.S. knew about it also. So they were like, okay, so if you do this, you know, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It could, it could have log, looked a lot different yeah. than it does right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. yeah. also a, 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 a heavy, uh, like, uh, migration from Germany, too. You know, like all the Mennonites and mm -hmm. and the cheese making and the beer making and the polkas and, you know. I think polka... Some of those things had, well, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, but... I mean, it was before then, you know, it was yeah, 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 it was before. It was, but what yeah, I mean is that, you know, I mean, it could have been brought up more or I don't know, you know. You, yeah. You know, you never know. Like, that's the crazy thing is that like, and just, I mean, it's just, just the fact that like that Mexico could have been a monarchy. It's just, it's just crazy to me. And then you would have had like, you know, like, to this day, they would have had like these Austrians still <laughs> there, uh, but at the same time, I feel like it wouldn't have I w it wouldn't have stayed that way. It would have it would have been yeah. I mean, it would have morphed, been, you know, just like everything. But it just I don't know. I just think it's interesting because I mean, yeah. you know, for all the talk of like you know America as in the U.S. The melting pot and la di da di da. I mean, yeah, but in the end, the whole continent is that. Just yeah. because, you know, like, you have like tacos, mm -hmm. tacos are like at least the al pastor ones, you know, that's all Lebanese stuff. And mm -hmm. well, yeah, it's just talking about Germans and mm -hmm. French people. And then there, there's a lot of Asian people too. In, in, mm -hmm. especially like in central Mexico Mexicans of uh, African descent you know like them like being recognized as a people you know like as a, mm -hmm. as a yeah. group of people you know there, there's a whole lot of stuff and that's like everywhere and like there's a lot of Asian people in Peru as well and that's like you know yeah so I don't know. It, it's just interesting to think of how well, things could have turned out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's why that's why I think Mexican history is very fascinating. I guess because really, because I don't know much about it. It's like they don't really teach it here. So yeah. Oh, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, back to Max. <laughs> back to Max. So get yeah, so getting back to that, um, at this point he's about to be executed. Um, the day before, he um, he's offered one last time to get out of Mexico, basically. Like they give him the option, but once again he refuses because he doesn't want to leave um, his generals because he gets he gets to leave, but his generals obviously don't get to, and they get have to be executed. Um, so he refuses, but. <laughs> 
I thought this was really funny. Um, another reason why he says that he doesn't want to leave is because um, when he leaves, he's going to have to shave his beard off. And um, that's a big sign of like of the, Habs- the Habsburg family. Um, and so he's like, no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> because like that's, that's a form of shame for him and obviously losing. <laughs> but I don't know. I just thought it was funny. He was like, I mean, I can connect to that. <laughs> I hate shaving my beard. You're right. No, you're right. I understand. I understand. <laughs> so in June 19, uh, in June 19th, 1867, um, Max, along with um, all his generals, are executed on a hill outside of Querétaro. And um, his last words are, quote, I, I forgive everyone. And I ask everyone for my to forgive me. May my blood, which is about to be shed before the good of the country. Viva Mexico. Viva la independencia. End quote. And, <laughs> I, and, and, and for some reason, I was just like, did he say, did he come, did he say Viva Mexico? But I don't think that's true. No, yeah, that's probably been around for like. That's probably been around, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, thank you. Thank you for the fact check. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure you invented the phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, but no, I'm pretty sure. That was uh, Miguel Hidalgo, man. That's why they do oh. the thing every 15th. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, well that is redacted then. <laughs> I'm redacted. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, so he, like I said, he gets executed. Um, his wife, uh, Carlota, dies on January 1927. So she actually lives for Whoa. a long time. So she, yeah, she lives for like another 50 years, I think. Damn. Um, so let's see. So eventually, like I said, uh, Benito Juarez takes over. And, and at one point, he was actually going to write a list of all the liberals that um, went into his, basically, like, uh, became administrators or administrative like office people you know in that cabinet because basically they're gonna be executed uh-huh. but he's recommended not to um and they you know they basically tell him that if you if you publish the list then there will be no um there won't be any you know party basically i don't know yeah, I'm taking that out. That's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. So he's t- yeah. So he's told you know just not to do it because it's not going to do any good. Um, yeah. And so after Max's execution, um, his body's embalmed and displayed in Mexico for like a year. And <laughs> and I saw a picture of it, and it's just like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> like his eyes look real bad, and Oof. he's like in a yeah. coffin, and yeah. Um, but eventually he's taken, um, his, uh, like the year, the next year, his body's taken back to Vienna, um, and, you know, has a proper burial. One of the things that I found interesting that I didn't know is that, um, composer, or the Hungarian composer Franz Liszt, um, included a piece called, uh, A Funeral March in Memory of, uh, Maximilian I, Emperor of Mexico. Oh shit! Yeah, nice. I don't know that. 
Yeah. So yeah, and uh, and and there's I, I guess to, even to this day there's there's some um, there's still some like salty people, you know, about the fact that he was even the emperor. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I guess so. Like they kind of, so they, uh, so people go to um to the hill where he was killed and celebrate his death. Um, wow. And, and they have like these like um, what are they called? Uh, they're called uh they're called a carte de visite, visite, I think. Um, and um, they're just like little photographs. I don't, I don't, I don't really know what they are. They kind of look like postcards. Um, but basically like they made, um, some of these, um, of his like tattered clothes, like the moment that he died. So like there's, there's pictures of his like shirt and like his coat and full of like bullet holes and. Oh shit. Yeah. So they, yeah. So there's some people that didn't like it, but I think, I don't know. I will not speak for the Mexican people. (laughs) Uh, Um, but yeah, and, and apparently, and one last thing, um, recently, I don't know how recent, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's been like a few years now, but so like at his burial site, um, people are starting to just leave um, Mexican flags and like sombreros and stuff like that. Oh, shit. Yeah. I guess his legacy is kind of outlasting a lot of, you know, I guess, yeah. a lot of that, that, that salt or the hatred. Yeah, yeah. And I mean... And, and and some people think that you know like there you you have like the two you know the two ideas where it's just like you know what could have been and you know like mm-hmm. we you know they don't think that it would have lasted very long though like I I feel like there's people that, think that his reign wouldn't have lasted very long anyway and I mean it didn't it lasted like four years yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that was my really uh. Very spontaneous report. <laughs> like, it was That's just, cool, man. huh? That's cool. Yeah, I, man, I. You know what? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Cool. Historical. Yeah, yes. yeah, and I mean, like I said, and 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 like when I say that I really like Mexican history, I really do like. Um, mm-hmm. I really do like learning a lot about about a lot of its stuff because a lot of its history because um, for one thing you know like there are neighbors and you know like mm-hmm. all three of us are of Mexican descent and yeah but yeah like it's just it's just I, I feel like it's very interesting so yeah it is it's very fascinating and I feel like you know it's one of those things we, we should probably learn more about you know yeah, I know, but and I and I mean, this was a very little part, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just like it, it was just like in that weird turmoil of a very broken country at the time, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I find it kind of like a I don't know. It's just it's not a funny story. It's just kind of like if you don't know, like it's just kind of surprising. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and then but, you put it into context, you know, like, you know, freaking Napoleon was going down, uh, the freaking uh, Civil War was going down over here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I mean that that's those are the two big things I can think of. I'm sure there were there was other stuff happening elsewhere, but exactly. Um, well, yeah, well, and the thing the thing too about Napoleon, because I feel like a, <laughs> I feel like a lot of these people were just kind of like, well, specifically Napoleon, Napoleon the Third. Um, he was also kind of like in the shadow of his uncle, who was Napoleon the Second. Um, and so he tried to get he tried to get in out of that too and um it never really worked so he just kind of died in shame mm -hmm. so but yeah it's just interesting i mean and then again you think about it you know like at this time freaking um like who was alive wc was alive uh mm -hmm. yeah no other i mean wished it's the, the romantic period of music yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like I don't know. It's uh, it's a trip thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, because I yeah, yeah, because you're right. Because I mean, like all, all these people that I don't know. It's just it, it's interesting to me that you know, like all like there's people that you don't realize that lived during the same time, and yeah, who knows? They probably heard about all of this. Maybe not. I don't know. It's just. I don't know. News is news, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Anyway, yeah. Bravo. <laughs> yeah, very nice. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> um, let me use the restroom real quick before we continue. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the restroom. <laughs> Magnificent topic. Um, sh sh should I start or? Yeah. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so. During the, the pretty much the, the the latter half of of July, I was I had to go work out of town, um, and it was it was cool seeing parts of the country I'd never seen, but it was also kind of like nerve wracking considering everything that's fucking going on, right? Yeah. Um, but either way, you know, I got through it. But uh, what do you, like? Um, I'll just start off. I'm, I'm going to talk about Peter Green today, uh, guitarist, and <clears throat> I promise one of these days I will do one that it's not about a blues musician. <laughs> But uh, today's not that day. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> and what happened was that I was driving back from Maryland. And uh, long ass drive, fuck, man. I was driving back from Maryland and I forgot where in the fucking country I was. I think I was driving to somewhere in Pennsylvania or I had Ohio, I don't know. It's all like a big blur of trees and green. and It's New England, it's all the same. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> And at one point, you know, I'm, I'm starting to put gas and like I see like, you know, the, the news things that, that pop up and it was like, oh, Peter Green, uh, guitarist for Fleetwood Mac, passes away, right? And that happened on the, um, it was on the 25th of July of this year. Mm -hmm. uh, and he passed away at the age of 73. So then what happened, so I want to talk about Peter Green because, you know, he and the early Fleetwood Mac era, he's one of the founders of Fleetwood Mac. And we've talked about, uh, you know, the later era of Fleetwood Mac on another episode. Yeah. And they're really the lesser known version of the band, you know. Well, um, personally for me, my introduction to Fleetwood was, you know, the, the, the pop era albums or the songs like Rhiannon, Dreams, you know, the album Rumors, stuff like that. Early Fleetwood uh, Mac was uh, more, extremely more blues, blues-drenched band, you know? Mm -hmm. 
I also want to be careful to note that I don't consider one better than the other. It's just a lot of personal. They're just different. I feel like there are, you know, the same band name, but completely different bands. You know, the only thing that stayed constant was the bassist, John McVie, uh, and um, the drummer, Mick Fleetwood, mm-hmm. from which the name derives. Um, and it's interesting to know, to note how, you know, he is noted as, uh, as a truly, he really is a truly talented musician and songwriter. And I could easily be one of those, you know, smug music nerds about people not knowing him as much. And uh, I, I really only started listening to more of that era, maybe like four years ago, something like that. But before, and even then, like before that, I knew more or less that he was another part of, you know, of an, of an older Fleetwood Mac. Um, of course, later I found he was a, one of the found, well, the main founder that kind of got everybody together. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, when he passed at the end of the month, I kept seeing pictures posted in news articles, you know, on social media. And while they did have a picture of a young Peter Green, a lot of them had a picture of the mid-70s rumors era Fleetwood Mac, which uh, gave me a chance to be a know-it-all and say things like, you know, well, actually, the picture of the band isn't the correct picture, you know, like an <laughs> asshole. And while it may seem like an oversight, in a way, it was almost by design. Yes, kind of in a way, because uh, what I what I kind of saw in in you know one of the things I I, I saw I used at the source was that he was kind of like a, a very humble guy, you know, yeah. and uh, even you know choosing the name Fleetwood Mac as the band, you know, combining the names of Mick Fleetwood and. Uh, John McVie uh, for the band instead of using his own name or, you know, trying to insert himself in that, you know, him wanting, even though he kind of brought everybody together, he, you know, him not being part of that name or I mean, he just thought it sounded cool. I don't know, <laughs> but um, he, it seemed like he was more focused on, on the actual playing as opposed to, you know, being a rock star, except for the um, copious amounts of LSD. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, something, I mean, maybe, maybe hand in hand. No, maybe. Um, Well, Peter Green was born Peter Allen Greenbaum on October 29, 1946 in Bethanel Green, London. He was the youngest of four children. And, um, you know, at the age of 11, his brother Michael taught him his first guitar chords. And from there, it was just, you know, off to the races of him teaching himself how to play guitar. Um, and on, on the Wikipedia, it says he started playing professionally, quote unquote, at the age of 15. But I, I don't know what he they mean by professionally. Like, does, does that mean gigs? Does that mean getting paid? But he, he first played bass in a band called Bobby Dennis and the Dominoes. And I don't think it's anything related to, you know, the later Eric Clapton equals Derek and the Dominoes. Um, but he played covers and rock and roll standards. Um, he, he later joined an R&B group called the Muskrats and then a band called the Trident, still playing bass. Um, and by the age of 19, he was playing lead guitar in a band called Peter B's Lunars, where he met drummer Mick Fleetwood. Uh, he first recorded with them a song called If You Want to Be Happy. And he formed a side band with some of the mem- the same members of that band uh, called Shotgun Express. You know, they did a lot of uh, Motown style stuff, which surprisingly included a young Rod Stewart. Huh. Yeah. What? So in, in 1965, uh, Shortly before joining the the uh, you know Peter B's Lunars, uh, and it's surprising too because like th- th- this one kind of just freaks me out how many people have been through this other band you know it's um 
John Mayall and the Blues Breakers. Uh, they're, 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 they're famous in their own right. You know, John Mayall, like he, he's, a, he's a good musician, good pianist. Um, but that band, you know, was a vehicle for uh, Eric Clapton, for Jeff Beck, and for Jimmy Page getting their, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, their go around in, in, in that band. But for, for a while, um, for like four gigs or something like that, um, Eric, um, I mean, um, este, Peter Green filled in for Eric Clapton. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, that same year, Eric left the Blues Breakers, you know, to go on to do his, his thing. And before, um, you know, Jimmy Page joined in, it was Peter Green that had joined the Blues Breakers. And he became a, uh, a full-time member for, for a short time. And he even released an album called A Hard Road, which is uh, has a song that I really recommend called, uh, at least if you don't want to listen to the whole album, I would recommend listening to um, The Supernatural. Because, you know, in, uh, we're, uh, we're a generation of, you know, uh, fuck. <laughs> like a, a short uh attention span short attention span obviously since i forgot what i was talking about but yeah I mean, uh that's very on brand mars uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i, I would say that <laughs> okay uh but yeah i would suggest uh, at least listening to that one uh the supernatural the song mm-hmm. off uh that album uh a hard road, which is really, it, it's a really cool song. Um, but anyway, and during this time, at one point, uh, Mayall, uh, John Mayall gave uh, Peter Green some recording time as, as a gift. And Peter Green went in there with um, the drummer at the time, which was Mick uh, Fleetwood, because he had like told uh, John Mayall, he's like, hey, this guy's leaving. You should, you know, bring in Mick Fleetwood. He's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, he was playing with Mayall and the blues, with the Blues Breakers. Um, and he went in there with Mayall, and the bassist at the time for the Blues Breakers was uh, a man, John McVie. And they recorded five songs, and the fifth song was uh, called they, an instrumental song um, that he that Peter named after the rhythm section called, and he called it Fleetwood Mac. You know, mm-hmm. um, so from then he Peter kind of like left to make his own band and decided uh, he was gonna t- he he asked Mick Fleetwood if he wanted to join, and Mick Fleetwood was like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm in. Um, and he hired this other guitarist named Jeremy Spencer. Now, his original choice for bass was John McVie from the Blues Breakers, but John McVie wasn't ready to leave. You know, he enjoyed the steady paycheck that he was getting with the Blues Breakers. So they invited they, they invited uh, um, uh, uh, the bassist named Bob Bruning to play bass just until McVie was ready to join. So it was, it was kind of fucked up, but, you know, <laughs> like, hey, you're here until John joins us. But well, how how long was he there then? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not too sure. I, I didn't look at it. But it re- really wasn't that long because I mean, most of their their stuff is with McVie. Okay, so within a month, they played uh, at the Windsor National Jazz and Blues Festival in in August '67, uh, and they were quickly signed to uh, Blue Horizon label. Mm-hmm. And their repertoire was mainly blues covers, some originals, uh, mostly written by Green, but some were written by the. The other guitarist, Jeremy Spencer. <laughs> the first album was self-titled. And um, like I said, it was a lot of standards, covers, stuff like that. But from there, they started, you know, writing, developing their, their writing style. You know, they, they had uh, uh, about three albums with this lineup. Um, 
which were really interesting. It was, you know, the original in 68, uh, Fleetwood Mac, Mr. Wonderful, which is the one I first listened to, which has a, the song called Love That Burns, which is a great tune, just a straight up bluesy, bluesy ass tune, uh, in, and which actually was the first feature for uh, uh, a pianist and singer named uh, Christine Perfect, which later on became known as Christine McVie, married the bassist and was part of the, the rumors era of Fleetwood Mac but she was featured as early as then. Um, but it was around this time that um, the band, uh, Peter's bandmates started noticing a, a, a change in his mental health. Uh, he was taking large doses of LSD and, you know, um, yeah, you know, that, he, that, he, that Peter uh, started becoming more and more concerned with accumulating too much wealth, uh, becoming obsessed with, giving it away and, you know, not, not having all that money. Mm -hmm. um, so while they were touring in, 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 uh, in Europe, I mean, there, there was this actually this song that he released when they switched labels. Uh, it's called man of the world. Also a really nice song. It has some lyrics where they're like, Hey man, are, like, are you okay? Like, and like, uh, I'll, I'll read like the little first thing of, of the lyric. Cause it's, it's interesting. It's uh, shall I tell you about my life? They say I'm a man of the world. I've flown across every tide and I see a lot of pretty girls. I guess I got everything I need. I wouldn't ask for more. And there's just no one I'd rather be, but I just wish that I'd never been born, you know, kind of like it's, it's a little heavier leaning. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but while they were touring in Europe in March, 1970, uh, green took some LSD at a party at a commune in Munich and the, the manager of Fleetwood Mac at the time, Clifford Davis, um, said that like he, he kind of cited as like the big point in, 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 you know, Peter's mental decline that, you know, some of the people were, they, they invited Peter to this mute, to this, uh, commune in Munich and they couldn't get him to leave. Some of the roadies were like, Hey, let's get the fuck, let's get the fuck out of here. Let's go back. We were on tour. He didn't want to leave. And it wasn't until, um, you know, the, the, the roadie and the, and the manager returned and they got Fleetwood Mac to, to go and get him. And like, they finally, you know, like, pulled him back into the tour. Uh -huh. But two months later on, on, uh, after a final performance on, on May 20th, 1970, uh, green left Fleetwood Mac. And that uh -huh. was pretty much it. You know, I, I, I hear about communes and I never think anything good about them. It's, it, it always feels like a hippie utopia, but it never ends well, you know? No, yeah, no. And, and not only that, like, well, it just reminds me of, for some reason, it just reminds me of midsummer. Cause that, like, great, that movie was great, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was. It, I, I feel like it was up my alley, honestly. Cause just like, like, yeah, you have to think about it, but you know what? Like, just take it for what it is. It's a... exactly. It was, it was a pretty solid movie. I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> but, but like I said, I, communes. I, I hear about a commune, and it's like, no. No, something well, I mean, and, and, and it's interesting to know because I mean, they later interviewed him, uh, and he said that he kind of remem remembers that that instance fondly. You know, he wasn't there for that long, but he was there for like a couple days. Mm -hmm. But he remembers her fondly that he had some good music there, and that they uh, that essentially he really enjoyed um, playing there for like the, the the time they was there. So it's interesting to you know that he has that fond recollection of it. Yeah, but. You know, after he left, he would do guest spots in, you know, sit in live shows. And, you know, he played the uh, live show with B.B. King. Um, but he, he just, his mental decline continued. And uh, 
you know, he pretty much sunk more into professional obscurity. Um, eventually, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and he spent some time in psychiatric hospitals. Um, and many people, many sources, you know, they, they say like he was kind of lethargic and trance-like during this period. They, they say he re- received, uh, uh, according to the Wikipedia, that he electroconvulsive therapy during oh, the seven, no. mid 70s. So, you know, oh, like it was no. <laughs> a rough period, obviously, for him. Um, and in 1977, Green was arrested for, uh, it's one of the more infamous incidents, but it, like there's, you know, differing accounts of it, that he was arrested for threatening his accountant with a shotgun. And um, one of the most famous uh, of, of the speculations was being that Green uh, wanted his um, accountant to stop sending him money. Um but in that same uh, documentary, Green stated at the time he had just returned from Canada, Canada needing money and that during a telephone conversation with his, you know, with the accountant, he alluded that he had bought back a gun from his travels and that the accountant called the police. And then that's when they surrounded his house and that's when he was arrested. But, you know, who knows what the, the actual story is. Uh-huh. Um, but by 1979, uh, Green b- began to reemerge uh, professionally with the help of his of his brother Mike uh, Michael, I think Michael. Well, be, uh, with the help of his brother, you know, making a string of solo albums, stuff like that, some yeah. collaborations and some groups in, in the in the nineties called the Peter Green Splinter Group. What do you call it? And you know, and even then in nineteen eighty eight, he was saying, "Like at present, I'm recuperating from treatment for taking drugs. It was drugs that influenced me a lot. I took a lot more than I intended to. I took LSD eight or nine times. The effect of that stuff lasts so long." Uh, I wanted to give it all, uh, all, all my money away. I went kind of holy, no, not holy religious. I just thought I could do it. I just thought it was all right on the drugs. Uh, he called it his failing. Um, but in 1980, and like they said, a lot of his uh, recuperation probably was helped by the fact that he ended up moving back in with family, with his brother, and they kind of helped him get on the road, you know, to, to better mental health. Um, yeah. But in 1998, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Fleetwood Mac. Um, and there's even talk about a reunion show, but never really happened. Um, and later in the, the late, uh, you know, early, well, not the late, but the early 2000s, you know, there was talk about maybe, uh, well, he actually formed a, a group that he toured with called, uh, Peter Green, Green and Friends. Um, he was an influence on a lot of people, uh, Joe Perry, uh, I mean, I'm not like, this is one that surprised me when I first started, uh. Uh, when I first started listening to it, but like you guys know that song "Black Magic Woman" uh, mm-hmm. by Santana, he, Peter Green is actually the one that wrote it with Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Whoa, what? Yeah. So it's originally a you know a a, a, a Fleetwood Mac Peter Green uh, Peter Green tune, uh, yeah. but yeah, a lot of people you know were influenced by him. Even BB um, uh, King would say that he had one of the sweetest tones I ever heard. He was the only one who gave me the cold sweats, and that's, you know, BB fucking King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, his style was was very much um, different th- from what we expect from, you know, a guitar blues hero. You know, he, he, he they described as more of an economy of sound, more interested in expression and emotion rather than showing off how fast he could play. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not really necessarily a shredder. Or, you know, he would pick his notes and really wanted to feel each note as he played through it. Uh, really interesting guitar style if you, if you will if, if you ever get a chance to listen to it it almost it, it feels very melancholy when you when you listen to it you know um 
I've, I've heard it described as, you know, a lot of minor blues, uh, minor, minor, minor uh, scale blues, stuff like that. But uh, it's, it's really interesting to, to, to hear him play and, uh, and, you know, comparing him to a lot of his contem- contemporaries at the time, you know, like Clapton and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Peter Green died uh, in his home in his sleep at the age of uh, 73. Uh, they, they never released what the reason was, uh, but... That, that's uh, pretty much where it ended. And, you know, having cast this wide net of influence, he was, um, let me find it here. Sorry, guys. He was um, ranked as number 58 in the 100 greatest guitarists of all time. And he was voted the third best guitarist of all time in Mojo Magazine. A really, really phenomenal guitarist. Uh, also, just listening to like a song like Albatross, listen to the original uh, Black Magic Woman. Uh, Love That Burns is one of my favorites. Um, Man of the World is a really sweet song. It's really nice. I'm not sure if I should say sweet, but it's a really good tune. The Green Manalishi with the Two Prong Crown um, is another one that that's definitely recommended. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I just wanted to shed light on this musician that that passed, and uh, you know, even though he's not as well known as the Rumors lineup. He is the one that kind of brought the band together, which obviously led to a, a bunch of great music throughout their their career uh, as a band. And uh, you know, even though his contribution was ended pretty early, you know, three albums, uh, it was still uh, a powerhouse of a couple of albums. Yeah. But that's Peter Green. If uh, you guys uh, take the time, if you guys like, take the time to uh, listen to some of uh, his stuff. I comes highly recommended. It's sort of like, um, I feel like they have a, because I don't know how long he was in the band for. I knew he was there early and, and like for a short period of time. It's like about three, four years. But then it's like, well, I think it's similar to, uh, uh, damn it, I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, the singer for Pink Floyd, the first singer. Oh, Sid Barrett. Yeah, where, where it was like, yeah. you know, they were going in one direction and then they left and then it took on a whole other thing and yeah then, exactly kind of and then with Fleetwood mac like it just kept changing you know like they have like periods they they definitely do i mean i, I feel like in the way it's generally described and like when you know i was doing the research on, on on rumors the album and the album before that you know it, it was uh it, it was like what, what they described as lindsey buckingham bringing in that knowledge of, of what they describe as pop, more pop driven as opposed to blues driven music, mm-hmm. uh, marking that change that they, they always said that Lindsey Buckingham and of course, you know, Stevie Nicks, Christine McVie, all of them having that, that pop leaning, giving more to, you know, leading to, to their, their magnum opus, which was rumors. I think, I mean, obviously they had like a bunch of great albums after, but you know, uh, just that, that change from, starting off as a heavily, heavily blues-oriented band to a more of a pop-driven, which also is like, and I, I, I hope pop doesn't sound derogatory because I, I, I don't mean it's derogatory. And then, like, also with the the Santana cover, it's funny that, you know, because the Black Magic Woman is put together with Gypsy Queen, and Gypsy mm-hmm. Queen is also a cover from another... 
artists. Like, I think he was, because I was just listening to, like, a short uh, story on the song, and it's, I forgot, what's the guy's name? Gabor, Gabor Sabo, something like that, because I think he's, like, from Belgium or something like that. He was, like, a Belgian jazz uh, guitarist. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, like, it's funny that Santana, you know, like, he broke out with two covers. And I feel that like that's how it happens a lot. I mean, if, if you look at, at that first record, uh, the Fleetwood Mac, I mean, there's a lot of uh, uh, a, lot, a lot of covers, you know, there's, uh, I mean, obviously, like, oh, yeah, any blues, there's, there, there's a lot of that. I mean, they even, uh, there's even a review for their second record, Mr. Wonderful, which, um some of the reviews were describing the album as, oh, it's a disappointment. Four of the songs start off with uh, the same uh, Elmore James riff, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. It was a lot of blues covers. Exactly. Uh, but it, it really was interesting. Uh, that one really, uh, yeah, when I first started listening to the Peter Green era, I was like, oh, they covered uh, uh, Black Magic Woman. And then, like, nope. Yeah, it's it was the other that way around. It's the other way, exactly. It's the other way. I'm like, and like to me, like the, the definitive version or the most well-known version was always like you know the Santana, Santana, Santana. But yeah, it's it's really interesting his, his influence on everything, and uh, really, really, I feel like emotional blues for a white guy. I mean, I haven't listened, to that, <laughs> I'm <kidding>. so I really <laughs> don't know. You know, like I couldn't. Oh no! And, and like, and, and it's one of those things. Uh, the, the most influential part of his career was with Fleetwood Mac. And later, like, he, he did have more songs that I'm not super familiar with and that I do really want to get acquainted with. But I feel like that early period was, like, most of his, you know, really uh, defining moments in, in music. And there's probably a bigger, uh, well, not probably, there is uh, bigger Peter Green fans that will be like, oh, no, you got to listen to this solo album. This album is really where he comes into this or, you know, uh, how his uh, talent evolved. Yeah, well, tying it back to podcasts, you know, uh, Marin's a big fan. He always brings them up whenever he's interviewing, like, either, you know, mm-hmm. like, older musicians or guitarists overall. He always uh-huh. talks about pre- Peter Green. And, and that's funny because that, that's where I kind of first would hear it a lot on, on that podcast, you know. He would mention it with this, with, with a bunch of musician artists. And I'd be like, okay. And then one day, kind of just like, okay, let's find out who, what, what this Peter Green is like. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like how it managed to to you know worm my way into that era mm-hmm. uh, and the, well speaking about Marin and peter green and this week i was listening earlier this week i was listening to another podcast and they were interviewing uh kirk hammett from metallica and he he owns uh what the one i guess was like his main guitar they they refer to it as greenie Exactly. Yeah, Kirk Hammett so, bought. Yeah, so he owns it. Exactly. He owns that guitar, Greeny, uh, which was his main guitar that he kind of like found. Well, obviously, like that's the his main workhorse for, for all this stuff. Um, I think he bought it for like, they, they, they over blew the price, but uh, Kirk Hammond always said, was like, oh, yeah, I bought it for under a million dollars, which, and they, they always inflated the price to like over two million or something like that. Oh, but, yeah. but yeah. But <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's like, oh, I was under a million, just a cool million or some shit like that. I don't know. Just, just short out of a 
a, a nice million. A nice round <laughs> number. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's uh, my uh, report on Peter Green. Uh, go check him out. Uh, decide for yourself. And like I said, I, I, I consider him as like same band name, but almost two completely different bands. To go in there with that mentality, if if you've only experienced the rumors era, which is also wonderful in its own right. Well, yeah. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. Man, I, I'm, I'm never not sleeping the day of a recording again because <laughs> my eyes are so heavy. I'm sorry, Mars. Did I bore you with with my story? No, no, it wasn't even that. It's just. I was I was already like that while I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but oh my god, yeah, I'm not doing that again. I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll knock myself out if I have to. <laughs> it's dangerous, dude. It's dangerous not having like a a good sleep. Like a well, you know, even more than that, like a set, like some sort of routine or schedule. Yeah. Because then everything goes here. As much as I hate, you know, sometimes it's a drag, you know, it's like, ah, oh, again, I got to do the same thing again, fuck. But then you go and not do anything, and it's like, oh, damn, what's today? What's the hour? What, what? I'm bored mm-hmm. as hell, or, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it's, no, and you're right. It is It is dangerous, too, to, to, to do that yourself i mean i'm not doing it on purpose it's just it's just the way it is right now mm-hmm. on uh i just wanted to plug some things uh oh, yeah. before we go off um so go off. with with the with the band uh what my guy you we're working on a new track which should be well i don't want to say because I don't really have a time frame for it, but mm-hmm. I'm guessing within the month it's going to be released. Oh shit! Probably man. before right. then, but just just because I don't I don't have like I said I really don't have a time frame. Um, mm-hmm. And then, well, that, we ju- we just need to know that it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> coming soon to a theater near you. Uh, and then uh, that was a personal one and then there's um, this new podcast I discovered it's a local one well at least for us in El Paso mm-hmm. it's, oh, cool. it's called La, La Chela del Perro and uh, La Chela. yeah you know like the, <laughs> the beer of the dog the, yeah <laughs> Uh, and, uh, well, it's in Spanish. So, you know, so if you're Spanish speaking or Spanish, uh, understanding, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah, I I would take a listen to it. It's, you know, it's kind of like us, like just some guys got together, but they talk more about pop culture, you know, like happenings within the, the week. And it's them basically just shooting the shit, drinking and talking about stuff like pop culture stuff for like about an hour. 
Mm-hmm. And cool. then separate from that, also El Paso Weiss, there's uh, two friends of mine. One, his uh, place is called, well, right now, obviously, his place isn't open, but he's he just started uh, selling cold brew coffee and like in cans and it's uh uh, speaking of speaking of mineral water it's uh well yeah it's nitro Mm -hmm. so you know it's fizzy and yeah uh, oh i know about nitro yeah his his his, uh his instagram is at uh, cafe con leche ep there's another friend of mine that's starting up his own coffee thing as well. And his Instagram is at slow goblin. And again, if you're in El Paso, you know, and you listen to this, you know, check them out. Cool. Well, speaking of, uh, Julio is the name of the first guy, the Cafe Con Leche EP person. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he'll, he'll, uh, if you're in El Paso and mm-hmm. you make your order, like, uh, like when he posts it up, you know, if you make your order before 1 PM, he'll, he'll deliver, uh, oh, to whatever place in El Paso you're at. And I Ooh. think if, <laughs> if you order like four cans or more, like the delivery is free. Oh, sure. Oh, cool. And then, I mean, I'm not sure, but I'm, I think he also, he can also like, you know, send it over to other places, you know, like mail it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, oh, I, sure, I don't yeah. know, because he has his page set up for all that. I mean, I, obviously, I don't know how the packaging works and all that stuff, but yeah. Well, good to know. <laughs> I know, right? But yeah, you know, just uh, I don't know. Just seems fair to you know give that shout out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like you know, that's it's local, it's here, and that's how I can help help them somehow. Yeah, well, especially yeah, yeah, and especially small businesses, you know. Small businesses really need that boost right now. Exactly. So yeah, th- those are my plugs for for the week. A song, two coffee shops, and a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't really have anything. I don't really have anything to plug. But I did learn today that um, the uh, U.S. Postal Service has um, uh, merch. With, and with what? Just just merch. Just oh, like, merch has merch. I thought you said has merged, as in oh, you know, like fused or something. I was like, with oh, no, what? No, no. With who? no, 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 no. Yeah, no. They, 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 they actually have merch. I see. I see. I see. They just have a bunch of little things, like kind of knickknacks, and like surprisingly enough, they have like little model cars, which actually, you know, I, I don't know what that's about to be honest, but, um. Yeah, but they have, like, all these stuff, and, you know, like, especially right now, like, we know that, you know, um, the U.S. Postal Service is going through this weird thing with, 
you know? Yeah. Um, and so, like, I guess I'll make my part and <laughs> and try to be like, you know, you know, buy donate or like or, or buy stuff, you know. Buy yeah. stamps at least. Buy stamps, even if you don't need them, you know. Yeah. You'll need them someday. Exactly. You never know when you have to mail something. Collect yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. Yeah, and like, it's just important, honestly, especially right now, because you know, if you can vote, you can vote and all that. No, yeah, exactly. There's a, there's this, I guess there's this podcast. Um, I mean, they kind of don't mean my, <laughs> they kind of don't mean <laughs> <Your> plugs. <laughs> no, yeah, because I mean, because it's a, because it's a, um, iHeartRadio. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, basically, it's it's just about like. It's 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 more like serious and stuff, but like it's just like the, about like the the. Women in Juarez, you know. Oh, I think I know which one. I think. Yeah, it's the the, forgotten. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, I've only listened to one episode because I mean, because it is kind of heavy to. To put through and and I, I've tried to listen to it like while I'm driving like doing um, delivery stuff. But, yeah, but I sometimes it's just kind of like you know yeah, I, yeah. I just need something to eat. No, yeah, yeah, for real, for real. But I mean, I but I I think that it's I don't know I I I like the first episode at least and it's really it's really interesting and um you know it's close to home and stuff. Course. But anyway, yeah, that's why that's why I was saying is like they, they they don't need a plug. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Um, go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Twitter, um, at Art of Whatevs. And um, like I said, thanks again for listening, y'all, and see y'all later. Bye. 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 Thank you. <laughs>